Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number four of the Review Point podcast, coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. I am your host, the man who calls the shots over at Fanboys Anonymous, Tony Mango. And with me on the panel tonight, we have several different fanboys and fangirls, including Chris Dace. I am Dace. Ronnie Brown. Hey, hey. Sam Lassio. I am Groot. Gina D'Angelo. I am Groot. And Nikki Diaz-Mills. Hey. So if you are unfamiliar with how Review Point works, it's pretty simple. We break down whatever is in our sites for this episode and we review whether or not it was a hit or a miss, otherwise known as a positive or a negative. And our target for this edition is going to be the latest edition of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Guardians of the Galaxy. Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you have not seen the movie yet and you do not wish to know what happens, bookmark this and go watch it at another time. Come back and check it out after you've seen it if you do not want to be spoiled. If you have no problem with that, then continue listening and make sure that you tell us what you guys think in the comments below. Or if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, you can go to fanboysanonymous.com, go to the actual page that is going to house this article, or not, not house this article, house this video, and then you will be able to leave your comments there. So what we're going to do structure-wise is we're going to bounce around, talk to everybody about a lot of different stuff, but... First things first, we need to go through our first impressions overall, and I'm going to go in the same order as what I just did right then. Dace, did you, generally speaking, like the movie? Yes. Um, it wasn't the best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it had a great soundtrack. Ronnie, yeah. good, bad, what did you think? I loved it. I pretty much knew nothing about Guardians of the Galaxy before seeing the movie, and I thought it was really, really good. Sam? Considering I had no clue what Guardians was when they announced it, I think they hit it out of the park. Gina? Yeah, I loved it too. Um, perfect summer movie, just completely surprising. Way funnier than I ever expected it to be. And Nikki? Um, I also really, really liked it. Um, there were a lot of times where I often forgot that it was even, you know, like a Marvel film. You know, it was really funny and I enjoyed it. All right, so from my point of view, uh, for my first impressions and stuff, let me backtrack and not just talk about the movie itself, because I want to get your guys' opinions about this when we start to talk about the plot structure. Um, when they announced Phase 2 of Marvel's uh, Cinematic Universe, and they said, we're going to get Captain America the Winter Soldier, okay, well, I kind of figured maybe it would go that route. Didn't know much about the Winter Soldier storyline, but cool, fine. Thor 2, yeah, you gotta do that. You're gonna get an Iron Man 3, of course. You're gonna get Guardians of the Galaxy? What the fuck is this? That was my response. And I didn't know much about that series, but what I did know was that I had heard that it was about a tree and a raccoon. So there was an incredibly hard sell for me to even think that there was a chance that this movie could have been good. I went into it with very low expectations, and that's from people saying that it had turned out good, and even somebody like Chris Hemsworth had said it was his favorite Marvel movie to date. I still, 10 minutes before the movie started, was saying to everybody, I think this movie's going to suck. Thankfully, I did not hate it like I thought I was going to, and I don't know if I'm going to go with necessarily a hit or a miss at the end of this, but... 
at the very least, there's one thing that I can say about it, and that's it was a lot better than I expected it to be. So, uh, the main reason why was that whole plot itself, which is actually going to take us into the plot structure section of this podcast. The basic idea of the movie, for those who don't know it and are still listening to this, even though we're going to be spoiling it, is that you've got a bunch of different thieves and outlaws and misfits that all band together because they need to stop one of the Kree army generals or whatever you would refer to him as, Ronan the Accuser, who is a genocidal motherfucking maniac and is in possession of an orb. And for everybody that knew anything about the Marvel Universe beforehand, as soon as we saw that there was an orb involved and there was some kind of a MacGuffin, what Infinity Stone was it going to be? So that's something I want to bring up a little bit later, get everybody's opinions about that. But the plot itself was basically a heist movie. And something that Marvel's been doing as of late is trying to structure their films in a way where they're not just a standard superhero movie where you have person gets powers, evil villain gets powers, starts causing mayhem, hero fights villain, hero celebrates with love interest at the end. I'm the name of my superhero codename, cut the credits. Captain America the Winter Soldier was a spy thriller. Thor was uh, a poor excuse of a second movie, if you want to classify it that way. Um, Iron Man 3 tried to be a little bit of a James Bond film, and this one marketed itself as being a heist movie. Um, That is something that I actually really liked about this, and that's something different that I enjoyed. So, as odd of a movie as it is, where you've got these characters that don't seem like they would be the next step to go to in the Marvel Universe... And as odd as it is to think that they're going to do a heist movie and whatever, I gotta say, plot structure-wise, that this is a hit. What do you think about this, Dace? Was the the story of the movie actually something that you got interested in? Was it a little kind of stupid for you? What, what do you think? Hit or miss? No, I think it was definitely a hit, because I was able to stick with it the whole time. And Thor, like you said, I kind of like drifted off, because um, it just didn't hook me. With Guardians of the Galaxy, I was actually invested because there was a lot of turns and twists, and you had to stay with it to get the whole story. So definitely a hit. Gina, what did you think about this? Was that something that you were a little bit hesitant going into, or were you all in, I want to see that fucking raccoon? (laughs) (laughs) I I felt the same way you did when I heard Guardians. I said, what the heck is that? And they go, oh, space raccoon? No, no, what are they doing? Disaster. But as the um, the promos kept growing, I was really excited. After the trailer came out, I was like, oh, I can't wait. Um, you know, the, the plot was, I mean, it was fine. They um, It worked within the context of what they had going on. But the movie was just, uh, it was so big. There was so much going on. Um, so I'd say the plot might have been a little shaky, but it still worked. So you could still follow it. So it was fine. What do you think? Hit or miss? Um, I would say I'm gonna say miss for the plot. I would say that's like the weakest part, in my opinion. Ronnie, your thoughts on this? I'm gonna say hit. I kind of like something Nikki said earlier is that it didn't at times it didn't really feel like a Marvel movie, which I thought was a good thing. It didn't feel like it was just a rehash of other plots that were part of phase two it felt like its own thing which i really liked and yeah it wasn't the strongest most complex plot in the world but i think it worked for the movie so gun to your head is it a hit or a miss definitely a hit 
All right, Nikki, your thoughts? Um, again, I'm. Uh, I say that it's definitely a hit. Um, but like, uh, like I like I said before, like Ronnie just said, there are a lot of times where like, it's I, like I would forget that it was a, like a hero of superhero movie or Marvel movie. It, it just felt like a typical comedy, and even though it wasn't the strongest one, um. But it, I don't think it really needs to be, considering the uh, the demographic for this movie is probably going to be a lot wider, considering the type of movie it is. So I think it, uh, I think it was definitely, you know, more, uh, more of a hit and more entertaining and a lot better than like, you know, what you would expect. So we're all pretty much going with hits here. Sam, agreed. Um, I would agree that it was a hit. When they mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy, I had no clue what it was. Groot, Star-Lord, nothing. It wasn't clicking. Rocket, I knew. I knew who Rocket Raccoon was, but I didn't know what Guardians of the Galaxy was. Now, the one thing that I'll say is that although this was a hit, I felt this before going in, and I feel even stronger about it coming out of the movie. This should have been before Winter Soldier. When Dark World teased the Collector, Guardians should have been next. Then you get Captain America, the Winter Soldier. It teased Age of Ultron, and then you should have had Age of Ultron. I feel like the ordering, for not of all Phase 2, but definitely those two movies in particular, they should have been swapped. I completely agree. That's actually one of the things that I had forgotten to mention when I did my little write-up about this. Um, it does feel like they switched it, and maybe they didn't i don't uh, have any kind of sources that would say otherwise or anything like that but i would bet money on the idea that that's actually how they had plotted it out but the way that they're doing these releases with these movies is they've been trying to make sure that the first movie of the year is something that they've already released like it's like a sequel or it's building on a different property or something and the summer, towards the end, summer blockbuster movie or whatever the release is for that one is the newer one. So I bet you production is the reason why this ended up switching. I don't think that the the actual plot structure that was mapped out by Joss Whedon and everybody, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think Guardians of the Galaxy came before Captain America. Um, and I mean the way that you just explained it right then with the, the end credit sequences... If anything, that should be the indicator. Right. Guardians really teased nothing. It didn't. That's actually going to cause one of my problems with the plot structure. Um, yeah. I liked the idea that we've had like some different comedy, but I did not like how that plot did not build anything towards Avengers. The only thing I can think that it built towards was another Infinity Stone actually getting to meet Thanos and getting to see the other killed was kind of funny. Well, let's piggyback off of that and let's start talking about the characters. Um, let's go right into the big guy. Why not? Uh, I was planning on doing Peter Quill first, but let's go into the one everybody wants to talk about, Thanos, and why don't we throw the other in there? I actually didn't like that the other got killed. And one of the main reasons why is because... Something I'm going to echo with a couple other villains in here. I didn't think that they were intimidating enough. And when Ronan kills the other, 
The other really wasn't that impressive. And he died for no reason. It didn't make me think that Ronan was any more of a badass. Thanos? Son of a bitch, I was disappointed. I really wanted Thanos to kick ass, and I still think that he will in whatever they call it, the third Avengers movie. I love the idea that Josh Brolin's playing the character, but here he just seemed maybe kind of lighthearted and happy or something. He was like smiling, and his eyes seemed like they needed to be bigger. Something was odd about this, and I didn't quite like that a lot. I'm actually going to say, as thrilled as I was that we were going to see Thanos in here, Thanos, and the other for that matter, is a miss. I'm going to go in the reverse order. Um, Sam, piggybagging off that since you brought the topic on, what do you think about Thanos and the other? So I said that the killing of the other I thought was kind of funny. You're right that it didn't make me think Ronan was any more intimidating. But I do agree that, I mean, in Avengers, he was really threatening towards Loki. So it made me think that the other himself, rather than just being Thanos' toady, was actually an intimidating character. Here he just felt like a useless side thing that's like, oh, well, we have nothing to do with him, so let's have Ronan kill him. So that was disappointing. Um, the, the second thing is, I agree with you, Thanos, he kind of physically, he resembled if the Hulk went on Jenny Craig. <laughs> he was like, he wasn't as bulky as the Hulk, but he was big and he was obviously muscular. And then he had that like thick face, but there was just something wrong with his face. And when we came out of the theater, I think you said his eyes were too small. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was it. Something about him was off, and although I was kind of happy that Josh Brolin was going to voice him, I didn't like his voice. So you're going to miss? I'm going to go with a miss, but one positive I will say is I at least liked his suit. Yeah, that was cool. Um, Nikki, what did you think about Thanos and the other? Um, I honestly really didn't give a shit about any of them in this movie. I was not impressed whatsoever, and I was just waiting for their screen time to end the entire time. Um, Thanos didn't impress me. He didn't really do much, didn't really say much, looked kind of stupid. And I'm sure in the sequel or whatever movie they're going to line up here next, he's going to be a lot more intimidating, a lot more badass like everybody wants. But in this movie, it's just like, like, yeah, yeah, Thanos is going to kill this person. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, can we move on? to somebody else and especially with Ronan too Ronan honestly annoyed me the entire time the entire time I don't know why there was just something about the demeanor of his character and like I said like everybody else said when he snapped his neck it I was just kind of like all right you know what else are you gonna do he he honestly looked like, or not looked like, but sounded and acted like, you know, like a bully in high school. <laughs> you know uh, what it reminded me of? It was like um, Thanos kept calling him boy, and he got upset that he kept calling him that. But it's like, you're upset that someone's calling you boy, but then you're going to throw a temper tantrum. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he, it was not impressing. It was actually really annoying. And like I said, I was just waiting, you know, for like something to go down to take off a lot of the screen time off of Ronan. And I feel like maybe it should have been equaled out a little bit to have Thanos to have a little bit more, like, of a role in this movie, like, slightly. Because I just feel like he was kind of useless in there. They would talk about Thanos all the time, 
but you didn't really see him as much as definitely should have been. So that that whole setup was annoying. The characters were annoying. I was just waiting to see Groot, honestly. <laughs> but I give them all a miss. Gina, what did you think about the other in Thanos? Was that something that was a letdown, or were you happy with what they gave us, or did you even want to see maybe even less? Because I heard some people that complained about that too. Well, um, kind of. Well, I felt it was a waste to kill the other like that. We had all this uh, build up with him and the Avengers being all scary, and then yeah, he's boom, he's dead. So why do we bother caring? Um, um, oh, so Thanos. Um, when they first, you know, showed him at the teaser, everyone started cheering when they saw him. So I was really happy to see him. I thought he looked really cool. Um, they changed his costume the least from the comic books. Um, you know, his purple face is great. I thought, if anything, they had him in there too much. That he should have been in shadow. We should have had him more as a uh, as a scary thing that we didn't really see. I thought we saw too much of him, since there's so much building to him being. Uh, um, to being a big villain later on. I feel like we saw him too much. Um, but overall, I would say it was a hit, and I did love seeing him. What do you think, Ronnie? Would it have been cool if they sort of just kept him sitting in the chair, then he does that kind of James Bond swivel, like a Blofeld, and you, you only see his face for like one shot, where he just is like, hey, Ronan, fuck you, buddy, or something like... Yeah, actually, I think that would have been cool. I think... It would have been nice to see more of Thanos if he actually had something more to do. And he really, he didn't do that much in the movie other than just sit there, try to be badass, and then say, fuck you, Nebula. But I think that if he was actually given a bigger role, it would have been cool to see more of him. Otherwise, he should have kind of been more in the shadows and then just teased, been teased a little more until the Avengers 3 where he could really just go all out and be badass. And as far as the other goes, I mean, I I didn't dislike him. I wasn't crazy about him. He was just kind of there. I was okay with him. But I just think in general for the two of them, I would have to go with a miss. I didn't think they were awful, but I just think they could have been better in this movie. And Dace, round us out. What do you think of uh, Thanos and the other? I, I didn't really care for the Thanos uh, appearance because he, he kind of looked, he was fat and he kind of looked like uh, star Jones, like two weeks after starting Jenny Craig and bragging about it. Like you didn't lose weight, bitch. You're still fat. And <laughs> there's two Jenny comes... Craig references on this episode already with Thanos. Well, I was going to go with the weight watchers, but since he used Jenny Craig, I figured I'd just keep going with that. <laughs> Trendsetter. Yeah. Nice. Hashtag Jenny Craig trended people. Anyway, uh, the other, clearly he only had a two-picture deal with Marvel, so they had to get rid of him quickly. That's Who all I got. The, um... the other? Yeah. He was only in two other? movies. Alex something, I think. Alex Denisov? Is that his name? Yeah, his 15 minutes are up. Yeah. Sorry, bud. <laughs> uh, let's go into the main cast. I mean, there's a lot of different characters we could talk about in this movie, and some of them don't really need that much. We're going to group them all together, all the people like Nebula and Korath and whatever. Uh, we don't need to spend 20 minutes talking about Korath, but uh, the main characters we obviously do got to get to, and even though everybody wants to talk about a certain one of them, I'm sure we're going to go in order of uh, the billing, essentially. Peter Quill, our protagonist of the story, by Chris uh, Pratt. He is somebody who 
is not one of those mainstream kind of characters, so it's not like you can build a film around the the Batman and Superman thing for Justice League, where not as many people are going to go going to want to go see a Flash movie or Green Lantern or Green Arrow or whatever. Maybe now that the the show's out there, they will, but um, you can't go. Guardians of the Galaxy is a team picture, but don't worry, they've got Star Lord in it, and. I thought it was funny that they actually kind of played with that a little bit. It's um, Star-Lord, and everybody's like, who the fuck's that? And, uh, you know. Um, he is a character that I probably liked the second best out of everybody in the movie. He was pretty endearing, pretty charming, funny. Um, and they gave him enough of a heroic edge without de- uh, demoralizing that idea for me to jump on board with the idea of Peter Quill, and I'd be fine with seeing more of that. I think that, that is actually a total hit, Peter Quill. Um, I'll do the same kind of basic order here. We don't need to keep any kind of order, so if anybody really wants to jump in or something, then feel free. But, Dace, what do you think? Quill? Hit or miss? I, I really enjoyed him, so he was a hit. But holy crap, uh, freaking Chris Pratt getting in shape for this role, man. You see him in Parks and Rec, he is a slob like me, so it gives guys like me hope that I can one day be Star-Lord. <laughs> you just gotta listen to the right awesome mix, then I'm currently making itself. a mix CD now. Uh, it's Six tracks are hooked on a feeling. Six of them? Yeah, every other one. For all our How I Met Your Mother fans, it's just gonna be um, Bon Jovi, too. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, Chris Pratt, Peter Quill... Hit or miss? Um, I really liked Peter Quill, the character. He was, you know, he was um, really funny, you know, quirky. And he was, even though he was technically an outlaw, he was ready to buck up and, you know, be heroic whenever he needed to be so. But it still, he still had that, you know, annoying, funny little charm no matter what to try to, like, and like you know, to try to get under people's skin or just, you know, as a charm. And I love Chris Pratt. I've always loved him in Parks and Rec. He's been one of my favorite characters there. So when I found out that he was going to do this character, I was really excited. And, I mean, also, like they said, uh, him bulking up for the, vid- for the movie, if you haven't seen Parks and Rec, you know, he's not huge, but he went from pretty chubby to just completely ripped. So... That took a lot of dedication, and I was actually telling Sam that if anyone was to be, you know, Peter Quill, or if anyone was to be, like, a superhero at all, uh, this type of character, I was telling Sam yesterday, I was like, he reminds me of Dace, trying to be a superhero, or whatever. Especially the whole dance-off thing at the end, I was like, this is fucking Dace. I was like, this is really, it was like looking into a mirror, but I liked him. He wasn't my favorite character, but... He was a really strong character that I really enjoy, and I really am glad that we're going to be able to see again in the cinematic universe. Sam? Um, he was probably right up there, just like you guys said, with one of my favorite characters on this. And like Dace said, for guys who are like just like chubbier and just are just completely 100% out of shape, to see the way he transformed makes you think, like, holy crap, like I could be Star-Lord. And the fact that he has no superpowers, sort of not not like Batman. You can't make the parallel completely with that. But basically a guy who is an Earthling amongst gods, essentially, just people with all sorts of different powers and stuff. He's nobody. 
but he becomes the leader of this team. And it's just, I believed the journey they took with his character, going from just a guy who didn't care about anything but himself to actually standing for something. The two things about him, though, that I wanted to point out, they weren't bad things. It was just things that kind of made like my heart go, aw, was the first one when he opens up the present from his mother before she died and it's the volume two mixtape <laughs> that was just like yes now i want to hear what volume two is and that better be like in guardians 2 from beginning to end now and the second one that really just kind of made my heart sink like now i feel bad for him is when yondu said uh he's like yeah we didn't deliver him to his daddy like we were supposed to and then they just fly off <laughs> and i'm like god damn it it's like you you now you feel bad like he he has no idea but now you feel bad <laughs> what did you think about peter quill gina is he one of the hits of the movies one of the hit uh the misses good person to build a whole film around or should other characters have stepped up oh no he was spectacular yeah i've been enjoying watching him on parks and rec he's just he's a joy so to see him yeah see him all ripped was um it was a little little getting used to at first just like oh my gosh like that's not how he is he's a big global teddy bear um i can hear you smiling (laughs) (laughs) i'm just picturing him with no shirt on sorry um but he was no he was absolutely great and and for this film to be so big and have so many aliens and creatures in it the fact that we had this smart ass human just being completely silly and carrying around his walkman and keeping his favorite t-shirt it really you know, brought you back down to earth to have somebody that you could be so familiar with. And you're like, I know a guy like that, you know? So I thought it was just completely enjoyable and perfectly cast. And Ronnie, what did you think about Peter Quill? I mean, not much else to say on top of what everybody else said. I agree with pretty much everyone. Um, Chris Pratt was amazing. He, to, in my mind, kind of like how Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, I think Chris Pratt is Peter Quill. He just nailed the role and I, I just really loved, I loved his backstory, just his relationship with his mother and the fact that he was clinging to that awesome mix so tightly. That just, I don't know, that just really spoke to me. And yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but I think he was phenomenal and he was definitely up there, like everybody else said, as one of my favorites. And also something else that I just thought was interesting is that showing his backstory was the very first thing you see in the movie, even before the Marvel Studios logo. And I think that's the first time they ever did that, where they kind of had a little prologue scene before reminding you, hey, by the way, this is a Marvel movie. And I don't know, I just thought that was kind of interesting. I like that too, now that you brought that up. I forgot about that, that, that happened. It yeah, kind of I threw me noticed. off at the time, because I was expecting the Marvel Studio thing to pop up first, and... I'm used to, even though they've only had that for, what, two movies now? I'm used to the fanfare. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just kind of me because I actually really like uh, the beginning intro things that they do with movies. Like, I'm completely not lying here by saying that I have the Castle Rock theme in my MP3 player. <laughs> and I, you know, I will randomly think of, like, the NBC little jingle or... Um, the Gracie films at the end of uh, Simpsons episodes or something like that. So I tend to kind of like that. Yeah. And it threw me off. And at first I was just thinking, Oh crap, because 
not to bring up James Bond again. Now, this is, I think, the third Bond reference I've had in this uh, <laughs> podcast. But um, the beginning of the James Bond films with the little uh, gun barrel logo, they stopped doing that with the Daniel Craig films. And it really bothers me. And this case, it could have been something where it felt really awkward and it would have been like you should have just gotten that out of the way and then gone with the movie. But I really like that a lot. And I think that actually there's some potential there. Yeah, and I think I think they could definitely play around with it in the future. Like the Fox fanfare, it's so iconic, but they still mess with it from time to time. Like one of my favorite things is Alien 3, I believe. And the fanfare just kind of stops and holds on one of the last notes and it's it's the creepiest thing in the world and something like that's just so cool and i mean i don't know what marvel could do to kind of match that but i like that they seem to be willing to play around with it a little more and they could definitely do more with that in the future so i'm going to group two characters together here because i think that overall probably we won't have a whole lot to necessarily say about them and i know that we're going to say a lot about the two other ones but gamora and drax uh the main reason why I think I'm grouping those together other than the fact that they don't have a whole lot of characterization in a lot of different ways. But my reaction going into this movie was reading the different descriptions about people. And it was like, Oh, Gamora, she's a master assassin and Drax. He is a master killer. And I'm like, well, really they're the same character. They're both like these green killer people and that's it. And that bothered me. And one of my disappointments in the movie was I don't think that they actually had that much of a differentiation between the two of them. And I understand that Gamora was supposed to have more of a character arc when it comes to becoming less of a killer. And um, she's got the, obviously the, the love interest kind of thing going on with uh, Peter Quill and everything like that. But she started off in one of her first scenes saying that she was already a better person and she was going to betray Ronan the Accuser and Drax fucking man i don't want to harp on it but everybody who follows what happens with a mango tree knows that one of the branches off a mango tree is smart count moment which is dedicated to professional wrestling and a lot of people think that because myself and a few others that are on fanboys are fans of pro wrestling that we really loved the idea that batista of all people was going to be in this movie nah <laughs> So Batista was one of my biggest complaints with this movie. I think that the Drax character not only wasn't good enough to hold his own in a team, and he basically was just sort of a grunt that was there, more so than Groot even, to just kind of fight people and get his ass kicked too. For somebody who's called the Destroyer, he gets his ass kicked a lot more than he kicks ass. I think Gamora, better character, pretty much a hit, but not as much of a hit as they had expected when they were writing this movie. And Drax is a miss. Um, Nikki, what did you think about these two? Um, Gamora, I actually really, really, really liked. Um, you know, I liked the fact that, you know, uh, the way she portrayed, you know, getting her revenge, you know, for everything that uh, Roman, Ronan and Thanos have done. It's, um, she played that really, really well. And, you know, being, you know, the one, the only female in the group, she was a lot more badass, you know, than nine, almost all of the males, yeah, all of them. you know, besides Rocket, Rocket was kind of, uh, kind of ruthless as well, but she, you know, she kicked ass in this movie. I really liked her as, as for Drax, 
I mean, I understand being a professional wrestler. You're not an actor. I get that much with Batista, but, you know, it wasn't awful. Um, I honestly thought it kind of fit the, the character a little well, you know, big, buff, hot-headed, you know, uh, tough guy, you know, just looking for, you know, revenge and for trouble. I, it kind of fit it, but it wasn't great. But like I said, I understand you're a wrestler, you're not an actor. And the fact that he got this role in a big, a big role, you know, not like a little side, a side role, a bigger role in a big movie, you know, he, he didn't do awful. I'm not going to say it's a miss, but it's not like this one big shot hit for him. So I'm kind of on the fence with that, but Gamora was absolutely a hit. I loved her. Dace, what are your thoughts on these two? Well, when it comes to uh, Blue Tista and the Blue Avatar chick, in my mind, they uh, they actually did pretty good, so it's a hit. Um, yes, he's a wrestler, but he's not the worst wrestler to star in a film, Ted DiBiase Jr. Um, he did f- well for what he was given. I was actually shocked that when the movie started, I didn't know too much about Drax and how, like, smart he kind of sounds yes metaphors and stuff goes over his heads but he talks a big language and uh that seemed a lot for batista in my mind so he did it was a hit uh for both of them gina your thoughts i was i was very nervous when i saw batista was in it um i've seen man with the iron fists that was, that's not good um but i i was very surprised by him yeah, with the big vocabulary, I was like, oh, we're getting Batista does Shakespeare. This is totally <laughs> unexpected. I would um, see that. Right? <laughs> I want to see Batista's freaking Hamlet or Othello or something. Could happen. But no, I thought Drax was hilarious. Everything out of his mouth, it was just, it was killing me. I was just like, what is going on? Um, I thought Gamora was the, was the weak part. Um, she kicked ass and she looked really cool, but I feel like she didn't, she didn't get that much to do otherwise. There was the nice moment when, uh, when Chris Pratt, when he, you know, Quill gives her the, the headphones to listen to, and that was nice. But otherwise, it was just like we got a, we got a angry, angry um, young woman ready to betray her warlord adopted father. So I, don't know, I wasn't, I wasn't super convinced by her. Sam. Oh, sorry, my mic was muted. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go the average of all you guys. I'm going to say Gamora was a miss, and I'm going to say Drax was a hit. Gamora, I didn't care really about her story. Uh, Pretty much four out of the five Guardians are really dealing with some pain that the average person just does not deal with. And Gamora's, I cared the least about. Her entire people were destroyed. And I was just like, "Hmm, okay, so let's just hear her story. (laughs) Get over it. (laughs) Yeah. They, um... Boo-hoo, I, your parents are dead. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take Leia, Leia that long to get over it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was the Alderaan effect. The entire planet's gone, so you're just like, alright, who cares? And she... The acting was fine. I didn't care about... Like, it wasn't like she was a bad actress. But really, she had the least personality. At least to me. And this is coming from somebody who was on the same team as Drax. She had the least personality out of anybody there. Um, when I heard that, I didn't know who Dave Bautista was. I don't watch wrestling. So when I heard Dave Bautista, I'm like, hmm, never heard of the guy. When I saw he was a wrestler, I'm like, okay, so Drax is just going to be a big, scary guy. And that's all they really care about. No wrestlers. 
except for like little things the rock has done have really like impressed me so the very fact that i was i was in to the character gamora lost a whole planet he lost a wife and kid and i cared more about his pain than i did gamora's like you i could see that it was tearing this guy apart that he lost them and when he when he realizes that he's not strong enough on his own to defeat Ronan, you could see the pain in his eyes for it. At least I could. I mean, a lot. Some of you guys didn't really like him, but I mean, I, I at least could picked it up that he was trying to just like show uh, just visuals and stuff like that, the little nuances in his eyes or his voice and stuff like that. Overall. Both of these guys, though, even though I would say that Drax was a hit, of the five Guardians, two of them with the voice actors, Gamora and Drax are the two that you could recast, and I either wouldn't notice, or I wouldn't mind as much. If somebody recast Rocket's voice, I I wouldn't really like that. If you got someone other than Vin Diesel for Groot, wouldn't like it. He is Peter Quill. Chris Pratt is not replaceable to me. But if you replaced Bautista or Saldana, I would get over it. That's a good way to put it. Do you agree with that or disagree with that, Ronnie? I, In general, I agree with that. I think, in my opinion, both of them were a hit, but they were definitely the weakest parts of the team for me. Like Gamora, kind of like Sam said, you really didn't see her, any of her pain. And, I mean, the people that she was betraying and turning on, you really barely saw her interact with them at all. I think, yes, she never interacted with Thanos. Never saw it. Whereas, at least Nebula got a line in to Thanos. So I I think... Nebula. (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) I think Gamora would have benefited from a little more development time. Because I think the acting was fine for both of them, like Sam said as well. But I just think... If her story were expanded on just a little bit more, then it would have been stronger and her arc would have felt a little more earned. Just in general, I think I think they were going for things emotionally that didn't they didn't quite reach, but it was definitely a good attempt. And I was fine with Batista. I mean, I was not expecting an Oscar worthy performance from him and you know, we didn't get one, but just for Drax, I thought he did a fine job, and I liked him. He wasn't the best, neither was Gamora, like I said, but I think they were both they both did a fine job, and they both fit well with the other Guardians, so I liked that. So let's talk about the guy everybody wants to talk about here. The guy himself, star of the movie, Groot. Groot. The Groot. fucking man. I am Groot. The tree, if you want to refer to him as that way. Best character in the whole movie. <laughs> and I think almost everybody that sees this movie is going to agree with that. Um, I heard more people happy with the littlest things that Groot did on screen than when some big triumphant moments happened in the film. I mean, Groot could smile at the camera that smile and and people could be like oh look at that smile and then somebody will make a really great joke and they'll be like huh (laughs) (laughs) Groot was awesome uh such a stupid concept was pulled off in such a great way 
if you would have told me that what my favorite character in the movie would have been the tree, I would have laughed my ass off and said not a chance. But uh, especially the tree played by Vin Diesel <laughs> of all things. Um, Vin Diesel said that he recorded the lines "I am Groot," which for again, if you do not know this and you do not want to know the spoilers and stuff, you really shouldn't be listening this far into the podcast, but. Um, he literally do- does only say I am Groot, except for the one time where he says we are Groot in the entire movie. And that must have been one hell of a payday for Vin Diesel to just sit there and say I am Groot a thousand times in a bunch of different languages and get paid for it. But I thought that it was great. And they had a lot of laughs playing off the fact that he had said that. You know, you sort of think along the lines of what Peter Quill says in the movie, actually, that's going to get old after a while. And I expected that three quarters of the way through the movie, anytime that they would throw another I'm Groot joke out, I would just have gotten over it by then. But beginning to end, I laughed at them all, I think. And uh, I'm really waiting to see if they pick up this idea with um, these monologues that a lot of these superhero ha- superheroes have. You know, who are you? I'm Batman. Uh, what's Tobey Maguire doing throughout his movies? It's the whole, who am I? I'm Spider-Man or whatever. And I think we need a solo Groot movie where he does the voiceovers. And at the beginning of the end, it's just, I am Groot. I would like to see that happen. <laughs> God. <laughs> I would watch it. <laughs> I would I would be first in line. <laughs> One thing about the character that I, I'm going to have to say is a little bit of a mess, and I'm sure that everybody's going to disagree with me on this. Um, what we had mentioned earlier, the end credit sequences, I think that they were a waste. And as much as people next to me and around me in the movie theater were saying that they thought that the little dance sequence at the end was adorable, and I'll agree, that was cute, I much rather would have seen something that built up towards Avengers. And I, I think at, at that point, I had seen enough of Groot that I already loved the character. I didn't need to see one more scene of that to kind of beat, beat it into my head. If that would have been a scene of Thanos doing something, or if that would have been a scene of maybe uh, a message from Tony Stark or Nick Fury or anything else that has to deal with the movie, because of the fact that the scene after that did not do that either, that would have sit better with me. So I think they overdid Groot a tiny 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 little bit there and that if i'm nitpicking at stuff that'll be a little bit of a miss but i cannot in any circumstance to say that groot is a miss here groot's a total hit and baby groot in that little fucking planner i want one so bad (laughs) gina what did you think of groot best character i am groot (laughs) i'm I'm waiting for the Uh, you know, for them to just sit in a room and argue together. That's my dream come true. But, uh, so, you know, maybe that'll happen someday. But no, um, when I found out that Groot only says, I am Groot, I was like, this is either going to be the best thing in the world or the worst. But uh, And then, yeah, you hear Vin Diesel and go, uh-oh. But it was, he took it really, really seriously. I, I loved every second of it. And, oh, and he totally stole the show when he's, when they're describing how they're going to break out of the prison and he's doing the entire thing in the background, grabbing the battery out of the wall or whatever, I, you know, thought I was going to fall out of the chair. So great. I am Groot. <laughs> Ace, are you Groot? 
I have called, I called that hours before the movie that I was so excited to see Groot. Um, Vin Diesel's finest work ever. I, I applaud that man. <laughs> Vin Diesel, you you should win an, uh, an Oscar for this. It was fantastic. Put all superheroes to shame. He was the shit. And I know you said you didn't really care for the dancing scene, but I think Groot dancing in that little plot, or the pot, damn it, in the pot, Made Batista a better character. Go, Batista. <laughs> he was talking about Oscars. How pissed would Andy Serkis be? <laughs> that would be the biggest injustice in Oscar history, I think. He's like, Are I you was kidding? Ki- I was King Kong. I was Gollum. I'm fucking Caesar. And Vin Diesel says, I am Groot. And he gets a fucking Oscar. <laughs> he would just quit the acting business at that point. I hope he gets an Oscar. I really hope he does. Meanwhile, Leonardo DiCaprio hangs himself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He doesn't Tony. have one either. Yeah, Leo, just voice a tree in your next movie and you'll get it. <laughs> Nikki, your thoughts on Groot? Oh, I love Groot so much. I love him so much. Whenever whenever I kept seeing trailers, you know, and like different, uh, different articles online about, you know, the movie, I'm like okay, a fucking talking tree, that's that's great, you know, I was going in expecting this to be, like, the biggest nuisance of the entire group, but he became my instant favorite within, like, ten minutes, uh, he, just, like, even if he only said, I am Groot, the entire time, like, there was so much personality and so much animation, and he, you could see just how passionate he is about the group of people he's with, and he was so great and so lovable at the same time, so badass and so stupid. And I just, I loved him so much. He was like the heart of the entire group. And I never thought I could fall in love, you know, personality wise with a fucking talking tree. I just, I want my own Groot in my backyard so I can just go out and talk to it all day long. <laughs> he, he was so great. So great. I'm pretty sure that's called slavery. What? To force a being in your backyard. <laughs> well, it's not like a kid. Well, yeah, actually. Well, no. He's sentient. I want a, my own Groot, okay, in a little pot, and I will grow him, and I will plant him back in my backyard, and he will be my friend forever and ever. Dude, and the- if Groot was a slave, that would definitely be Oscar worthy. <laughs> 12, 12 years of Groot. 12 years of Groot. <laughs> I would see that movie too. We got a weird list of movies that we want to see come out. Apparently, <laughs> if I was Same. an animator, I would make so many parodies of like taking like Titanic and then putting Groot out on the the boat trying to escape. Or Groot is the iceberg. Yeah, or the plank that uh, that fucking bitch couldn't share with Leo DiCar- uh, DiCaprio. <laughs> DiCaprio. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. He was Car- in the Car- ocean. Imagine a Groot porno. Stop. And we're, we're... <laughs> like when That's he penetrates seven guys. Stop. That's, That's some hardwood. <laughs> oh no, he was in Evil Dead apparently, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> and you just oh my god, somebody should edit that in there at that part of the movie. You just hear, I am Groot. <laughs> They should anyway. just do a big spinoff. All these different trees and all these movies are all part of like the same grove. And uh, the ta- uh, the talking, walking ones from the two towers, they're like Groot's family and shit. The Whomping Willow from Harry Potter. <laughs> the creepy ticket tree from the commercials. <laughs> he already called him Giving Tree in the movie. 
<laughs> it all spawns back from the burning bush from the Bible. That's his original ancestor. <laughs> yeah, yeah wasn't, that, wasn't that line in like there? His his prophecy. It's I am Groot, and <laughs> just the entire. Time. He's the tree of knowledge. now I'm a little rusty on the Old Testament but I'm pretty sure that he says I am Groot at that part of the story (laughs) as soon as it starts burning he shouts I I am Groot it might have gotten lost in one of the translations but the original probably has it I think so we need to do some digging (laughs) any of you listeners a bible scholar look it up God. Um, one of the things that happened with Groot in this movie that I actually thought was really sweet was that scene with um, the little girl. Yes, I yes. wanted to mention that. That was adorable. That and was the, the moment. Yeah, but for I loved him from the start, but the moment that he gave the girl that flower, that was when I was just completely 100% sold. And just the look on his face, he, it just brought him so much joy to give this little girl that flower. I also loved for some for some reason whenever he would eat the little sprouts off of himself I was like you fucking idiot but I love you so much. <laughs> it's like we're they're all sitting there having like this elaborate plan and he's just picking off sprouts and eating them. <laughs> yeah, like a little dog trying to <laughs> bite like a an itch or something like that. Yeah. I'm just saying now I would love to see the short one of the short films on the Guardians DVD and Blu-ray just show Groot growing up again. You left him as the little sapling at the end, start off with that dancing scene, and then just watch him grow back into the Groot we know and love. I would I would buy that twice. I would watch, yes, yes. <laughs> I would go and watch it every single day. And then I'd go and buy it on DVD. And I'd buy it on 10 DVDs and 10 Blu-rays and 10 anything you could think of, and I would sit there and I would watch them all. So who else thinks that they should capitalize on this and make a different Chia Pet version of Groot? <gasps> I would buy like 20 and keep them in my room. Or I'd plant them in your backyard and make them your slaves. Yes. <laughs> Yo, I'm just saying that if Amazing Spider-Man 2 had the Electro head, that really ugly thing for their Blu-ray set, Guardians should come out in a group head. Or like a group case, you can like just open it up. Or like, or like yeah. <laughs> Nikki, you know how you're supposed to mute your mic when we're talking so there's no echo? Yeah, I yeah I remember that. You don't. I unmuted my fucking mic because I wanted to talk. <laughs> so, did everybody talk about Groot? I lost track a little bit here. I didn't. Okay, Sam. Nobody cares. Hit us with whatever else you need to talk about with Groot. Uh, definitely favorite character, like you guys said. Uh, I agree with Tony that the dancing scene at the very end was cute and funny, but then once it was over, I'm like, wait. That was the end credit scene. They were like, that was the mid credit scene. That it kind of felt like a throwaway. And then the uh, the other, I guess we'll talk about it later. But the last end credit scene also, it didn't tease anything. The only thing that I didn't like about Groot, out of everything that I loved about him, there was inconsistencies with his growing rate. Like when he loses his arms, and then he's on like that little platform where they're talking about him, and he has like those stubby arms growing back. And then when he's dead, it takes so long for that sprout to come back to him. But like, but when they're on that ship, the um, what's it called, Ronin ship, when the, it's like falling and it's gonna crash. Dark Aster. He's like, yeah, the Dark Aster. He's like quickly like growing this shield around them at like a, like it takes like less than a minute for this big wooden like ball to form. 
but yet he takes forever just to grow his arms back, and it takes forever for him just to go from a twig to like that little tiny dancing thing in the pot. Well, then you could argue that. Surge. Yeah, you could argue that was a stress <laughs> He's response. Like quick, you know. Maybe you instead know, when... of having like adrenaline where people get more power to lift things and stuff, maybe he kind of produces his own miracle grow. He gets more chlorophyll. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that. Like, chlorophyll surge. <laughs> so we have one other main, main character out of the cast, other than when we start talking about the villains, but um, and that is Rocket Raccoon, another character that I had gone into this assuming that I would hate. And one of the main reasons behind that was because the episode of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which dealt with it, which we actually did a fan tracks of, so if you had not listened to that yet, go back and watch that episode. They have this, like, Cockney, Australian kind of a hybrid accent, and it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. So, when they announced Bradley Cooper was going to be on board, that made me feel a little bit better. But I was still a little bit afraid that they would go with that kind of an accent. Because I do not follow the comics, and I didn't know if that was something built into the character. I mean, you don't expect most superheroes to sound stupid. But if a superhero has some kind of a distinguished accent or speech pattern or something you expect that to carry on and for them to have done that weird accent for the cartoon series i thought maybe that's what it is in the comics and i don't want to see that but rocket rocket raccoon ended up being another great character Uh, apparently the basis of the voice was joe pesci's character from goodfellas according to um bradley cooper and how am i funny yeah (laughs) basically that's what it was uh, great character, great comic mo- relief. Another really fun one that won me over more than I expected him to. I'm surprised. What did you think about Rocket Base? He was good. I liked him. I liked the, the subtle jokes he had. Um, I think they overdid the accent too much, but I liked him. He was cool. He's a raccoon. <laughs> He's indeed a raccoon. Hit or miss. I had- I've had too much beer. I'm sorry. <laughs> What'd you say? Hit or miss? Uh, tomato. Hit. <laughs> you sunk my battleship. Tomato. Gina, your thoughts on Rocket? Another big surprise. Uh, I am not a Bradley Cooper fan, but I think he did amazing work. Talk about award-worthy. Seriously, I, that's the best thing I've ever seen him, heard him do. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I thought I thought going into this, this was going to be the Jar Jar Binks of the movie, but he he wasn't. And his interactions with Groot, especially when um, you know we know that he can understand what Groot is saying, just completely floored me. It was just completely hysterical. I'm still shocked at the animators and how much the characters that weren't there were so real, and it was so wrapped up with them and involved with their expressions. It was amazing. Totally amazing. Did you kind of like, did your heart sink when he looked like he was crying that one scene? Oh my god, yes! I was getting all teary eyed. I was like, oh my god. And yeah, when Trek started petting him, oh my gosh. Oh, the petting scene, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I kind of wanted to pet him too. <laughs> I thought he was going to be like, what are you doing? But he was so broken up. But that... it, was, it was also sweet. That actually was like a little bit more depressing, the fact that he didn't flip out like, you know, you're you're being condescending here by petting me, that he actually kind of liked it. It was like, uh, I'm a dog person. I don't like cats. And um, 
one of the things I always really liked about dogs is the fact that they're so loyal and they're so trusting and everything. And pretty much all they ever want out of life is for you to just like pat the top of their head. <laughs> so when you see Rocket and he's you know getting pet uh, and everything, and he's just like, huh, what? Oh, this feels nice. Like <laughs> that was adorable. He's um, probably starved for physical affection. Who's going right. to get with that? It must not be that great hugging a tree. His only friend. Probably not. So he gets a hit from you too? Big hit, yes, absolutely. Sam? Rocket? Rocket was a big hit. Um, like I said earlier in the podcast, um, he was the only member of the Guardians that I was familiar with when I first heard about the team-up. Um, I don't know. Does he have that Cockney accent because he was named after a Beatles song? Was there any connection with that, or was it just kind of, hey, let's give him a British accent? What Beatles song? I don't know much about the Beatles. Rocket Raccoon. There actually is a Beatles song called Rocket Raccoon? Yeah. Wow. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't sure if, like, that's why he's always portrayed with a British accent or not. And, like, I would say... Of all the characters, at least the ones I'm familiar with, and I did some research into the comics, he's the only one who's really consistent with his comic book counterpart. Groot can be a little meaner in the comics. Uh, Gamora can be meaner. Drax is definitely a lot meaner and more powerful. And Star-Lord's really serious. So really the only one who was consistent with the comic books was Rocket. I liked that in the beginning that they wouldn't call him Rocket, the people on Xandar, what was it, like 8-9-P-1-6 or something? And then he says, calls itself Rocket. Like, they wouldn't even refer to him as such. And I really liked the, uh, the times where he was vulnerable actually were nice. You could really see the pain, especially in the bar scene. The bar scene specifically, and then the end when he thought Groot was dead. Really, like, he just broke apart. And, like, you wanted to just break... You wanted to be Drax. You wanted to see this raccoon crying, and you just wanted to pet him. That's all you wanted to do. You just wanted to make him feel better. And it also, it was interesting that, like, he was taking such offense to things like vermin and rodent. He didn't even know he was a raccoon. But, like, people just know that he's a lesser life form. And so he has to overcompensate by like knowing about weapons and carrying around huge guns and stuff that when he's crying like that and you see him upset just that moment like you said just he's sentient now but he's still i don't want to say he's still just an animal but i want to say that just something as simple as petting him still brought him joy and that was that was really nice to see and when I heard that Bradley Cooper was going to be Rocket, I was like, okay, you, you could have gotten anybody. I don't really care. But I I couldn't even tell it was him. I really couldn't even tell that um, it was Bradley Cooper. And I think that's the best way to do it when you're not sitting there like, oh, well, all I see is Chris Pratt on screen. I was like, no, he, he became Peter Quill. And the same with Bradley Cooper. Like, it wasn't Brad – I wasn't just hearing Bradley Cooper's voice – coming out of a raccoon it was rocket and i really enjoyed that ronnie i mean i was going to mention the bar scene as well i really loved that when he just all of a sudden became so serious and started yelling out things like i didn't ask for this 
it just really made me feel for him, as did, like everybody else said, that ending scene where he's just openly weeping over losing Groot. I just felt for him so much, and like Sam said, just wanted to be Drax to, to pet him in that scene, just to do something to make him feel better. But yeah, I absolutely loved him, and I love that my little AMC Stubbs pin was a rocket pin, and I will cherish it forever. <laughs> Nikki, I don't think you you said anything about Rocket yet, right? Um, I, I there's not really much left to say. The entire base was uh, basically covered, but um, like I I don't know. Like when I first heard of this movie, I I knew who Rocket Raccoon was, but I didn't really know a whole lot about the rest of the, the rest of the team. So when I heard that they were gonna actually CGI in a fucking raccoon. And, you know, add him as one of the main characters of a movie. I was like, Marvel, there are so many characters you can do that are a lot more, a lot more um, practical and have a lot more of an impact than they would in a fucking movie. But you decide to do a raccoon with a machine gun. Great. Awesome. This is going to suck. And when I went in, I was going in with that mindset. And when I saw him, you know, it, I kind of forgot, you know, you know, it is a, a raccoon, you know. Uh, as, like an experiment he was just this rough tough he didn't care how small he was he didn't care how fragile he actually was he was mean he was tough and he was he had he was ballsy and the his demeanor and his character it was really it was really nice it was it was really you know like it's something that you wouldn't expect and like everybody said and like sam and ronnie said with the bar scene you know when he scene when he's like going off on a tangent you know about like i don't want to be this i I didn't ask for any of this you really you really see how broken he actually is of a character and he just he just wants you know to be treated the same as everybody else and as mean and as tough as he acts i mean you it, it all boils down to like you know he's just a raccoon that that's 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 all he is but he can he wants nothing more than to be treated like everybody else. And it killed me in the bar scene. It actually killed me a little more than it did with the Groot scene. Cause then you actually see how he actually feels past that, you know, that tough shell that he puts out and with the Groot scene. And when, when he just is getting pet, it, it, that killed me too, because all he wants is affection. All he wants is love. And Groot was his best friend. Groot gave him that. And it tore me to pieces, but I never thought that a raccoon and, you know, a tree could have as much impact as they do, as they do as, you know, I, I had in the movie. I was going in expecting nothing from a fucking raccoon and I came out with like so many emotions towards it. And I really liked him. He was a huge hit. And after Groot, he's probably my second favorite character in the movie. So now we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round. We're going to talk about all the other characters in the movie and just throw out some quick thoughts about them. Um, that includes everybody, even Ronan the Accuser, because I think that we all kind of are in agreement that he basically was just there to be the villain, and that's about it. Um, but we have Nebula. We have the Nova Corps. Personally, I did not like the Nova Corps at all in this. I thought that John C. Riley and Glenn Close are not worth whatever money that they gave to them. They could have had two unnamed, unknown actors that I wouldn't have recognized, and they would have pulled off the exact same role. And I actually think it's a disappointment that they even put them in there because they got more credit than they should have. They didn't do anything in this movie that they really should have uh, deserved any credit for. Yondu, he's Michael Rooker 
with makeup on. Uh, somebody mentioned it earlier, I can't remember who, that when you were um, listening to Rocket Raccoon, you weren't actually thinking of Bradley Cooper. Well, when Yondu was on screen, I wasn't thinking of Yondu, this space pirate guy. I was thinking, oh, look, it's Michael Rooker, which is a shame. And then you have, uh, I am not going to try to pronounce his name right, um, but Korath in the movie was another actor who is better than what his character necessarily was. There are two little cameos that I thought were cool. Um, one of them was Howard the Duck at the end, which I did not see coming. And as soon as that freaking character popped up, so many people in the theater were just going, oh, God. <laughs> oh, people lost it. <laughs> but even beyond Howard the Duck, there's one cameo that actually made me super, super happy as a fan. And that was the quick little scene where they showed a fucking celestial. Holy shit. I never would have expected them to have them in this movie. Or any of these movies at all. I figured maybe down the line in a Thor movie they would mention them or something, but not actually show a celestial destroying an entire planet and everything that's crazy i don't have any idea where they're going in the future with that and the infinity stones and all that kind of stuff but ah celestials just crazy (laughs) so all of these kind of characters i'll give them a hit in the sense that they pulled off what little roles they were supposed to pull off but i'm going to give them all a general miss in a lot of different ways because none of them were interesting enough for us to have spent any time really talking about them on this podcast and that shows you something. So, really quickly going around here, Dace, anything out of these other random characters you want to mention? Any hits, misses, uh, grievances, any golf claps? I think, for the most part, they were all hits. Uh, like you said with Michael Rooker, every time he talked, all I felt, it was Meryl Dixon from The Walking Dead. Yep. <laughs> like, hands down, it's Meryl. Like, all he needs is, like, a pointy knife on his hand. Um, I did get all giddy about the whole Cree reference, because, you know... The Kree scroll rule, scroll war, dear God, uh, is huge in the Marvel universe, and unfortunately we'll never be able to have that because of the Fantastic Four being another property for someone else. But the Kree mentioning got me all giddy. So, ninety percent of them were hits. Michael Rooker, you need to broaden your horizons and stop being Merrill Dixon. Can't they do the scrolls? They just can't do Super Scroll. I thought they could. They couldn't. That's why they had the Chari, right? I think they just did that because they didn't want to have people disappointed in the scrolls. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I'm drunk. You win. <laughs> Chitari Ch- were in the Ultimates universe, weren't they? Yeah, but they were br- pretty much just a um, blank slate that they could have used. I think that's why they did that. Uh, Ronnie, your thoughts on all these random other characters? I think I agree with you guys. That just in general, I think they were all a hit. One thing that just popped into my head with Nebula in particular, I'd mentioned it with Gamora, where Gamora could have benefited from some more story. I think Nebula could have as well, because if anything, it almost felt like they were setting up her betraying everyone as well, just the way Thanos couldn't give two shits about her, and she even basically said, oh, thanks, Dad. But I think... And I mean, I love Karen Gillen, Gillen, however you pronounce it, but I just think that she was one of the those side characters that, along with Gamora, could have really benefited from a little extra push in story. But as far as everyone else goes, I was satisfied. I was just, I was pleased overall. 
Sam? Um, I'm going to just run through people real quick. Glenn Close's character, I liked her. Um, John C. Riley, you could have put anybody in that role. It was a waste to use him. Loved the Howard the Duck reference at the end. I loved Cosmo, the cosmonaut space dog. Really sad he didn't talk, because I think he's telepathic. Um, oh, shit, who am I forgetting? Yondu basically was Dixon from The Walking Dead. Um... Am I missing anybody? I didn't care about the Ravengers. The entire lot of them, I didn't care. And um, Ronan? Ronan was cool. I actually liked Ronan. He was the bad guy for the sake of the being the bad guy, but that kind of worked. Once they said he's just nuts, I was fine with that. Okay, he's just maniacal. And I loved his weapon. It reminded me of Mjolnir so much. Gina, what do you think about these other characters? Any of them stand out as good or bad? Um, I feel the same um, about Rooker as everybody else, that he's just so transparent, but I kind of don't mind because he's entertaining. Um, I like seeing the Nova Corps space cops. Those, uh, I don't know, they just look cool. And yeah, they have so much money to throw around. It's just like, oh, look close, here she is. But I don't know, I, I like them. Um the collector, I uh, was disappointed. We only got two minutes of him, but that was still fun. You didn't mention oh, yeah, I forgot about him. There. Yeah, so he's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Nebula I thought was shortchanged and kind of a waste of Karen Gillian. Like, you know, she couldn't even recognize her, which might be a good thing. But, yeah, she just she didn't get a whole lot of screen time. But they crammed so many characters in there that, you know, not everyone was going to get their fair share. Um but I just, I just feel like this is all foreplay for the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, so that's what I'm really waiting for. So yeah, to see the Celestials is like, squee! So, we got good stuff coming. Nikki, your thoughts? Um, trying to think going through everybody, because I know I'm going to miss somebody, but whatever. Um, Collector, I would have liked to see a lot more of. Um, I really, really liked him, and it was kind of disappointing that, you know, you only saw him for like five minutes. Um, I liked Howard the Duck. I liked um, seeing, you know, all the little cameos of different uh, of different people you wouldn't expect. No, uh, no, I didn't really give a shit about, to be quite honest. I did not care whatsoever. Uh, with John C. Riley, like you said, <laughs> he was just it was a waste of time, even considering him in this movie. When I saw him in the trailer, I thought he was going to have a little more impact than you know actually. Uh, than it perceived, but he was completely useless. <laughs> um, I didn't like Ronan at all. I mean, he had, it was a nice concept for the movie and, you know, him going, him being batshit crazy. I just, I didn't like him at all. Could, I, I could care less if he was in the movie or not. I know he has an important role, but if his role was just not in there whatsoever or any, had anything to do with Guardians of the Galaxy, I wouldn't give a shit. I, I did not like him. Um, I'm trying to think. Nebula didn't like her either. I don't know if it was just the way she was portrayed, the acting, or what. I just she left a sour taste in my mouth the entire movie. And um, I, I, that's really all I have to say. There were too many char- characters cluttered in at once that not anybody that you either got too much screen time or you didn't get enough screen time. And so it was a weird balance for me. Besides, you know, like the main group. So. 
But, yeah, that's all I really have to say. Nebula in particular that I didn't mention. There's one scene in the movie where Ronan decides that he's going to use the Infinity Stone to destroy Thanos. And she's like, you would betray my father or something like that. I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but the look on her face was just the look of thirst. That bitch was thirsty. (laughs) She was looking at him like, dude, you want to kill him and take over the universe? I will suck your dick in like five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice that. (laughs) You're just saying what you wanted to say. I mean, I wouldn't mind, but... (laughs) Anyway, one... (laughs) I just thought John C. Riley. I think it's just because Disney owns him now, ever since Wreck-It Ralph. Like Nike owns uh, Tiger Woods. Like they bought out Star Wars and Marvel and John C. Riley. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't think. I think they just keep him locked in a cage, and he occasionally gets out now. <laughs> that explains Step Brothers. I mean, that was a long time ago, but cool. <laughs> Well, outside of what we've been talking about, um, there's really one main thing that I think that we need to put some focus on before we say goodnight to everybody, and that's the music in the movie. If this music wouldn't have worked, the whole film would have sucked. They put so much of a foundation on the music in the movie, and that doesn't just go from the tone of the film. That actually goes from the actual plot of the film since mm-hmm. the introduction of the Peter Quill character is him listening to the music, and they have this running gag about him wanting the music that uh, his mother had given him, and that gives him an actual emotional background uh, that beats through every single one of those songs. I mean, it might feel out of place, but each time that you're feeling it out of place, you're feeling a character who is out of place. And... I don't personally love every one of the songs, but watching this movie made me like them all better, uh, better than I had beforehand. That goes for Ain't No Mountain High Enough, which that was a great part of this movie. Um, I, I don't know about Hooked on a Feeling if I'm really going to be listening to that all that much, but the Uga Chaka in the uh, trailer was very catching. Uh, so kudos to them for taking a big risk because they pulled it off. And I think that what we had alluded to earlier with the idea of Awesome Mix Volume 2, if that's not in the second one, if they don't carry that over, that's going to be a huge disappointment for almost everybody watching this movie, I think. Does anybody I disagree with that? Be. I no, need I it to be. 100% agree. And I'll download that on release day just like I did this Awesome Mix. Oh, yeah. What was the song he danced to in the opening sequence? The it opening? was a Jackson 5 song, wasn't it? Um, I don't remember him dancing in the opening sequence. Are you talking about the... Uh... It was his adult introduction when he... Um, uh, when he was going in there to get the orb. And it was during the op- during the main titles. Yeah. Because he was using the creatures as like a microphone and like dancing around and shit. Was it I Want You Back? Was that Maybe. the Jackson 5 song? Maybe. Maybe that was it. I just remember loving it. <laughs> Does anybody want to throw out anything else about their thoughts on the music? 
Um, I really liked the the music concept in general. Uh, I know a lot of people complained about having hooked on a feeling in the trailer, but I honestly didn't mind it. And now when you know the backstory, you know, the connection with his mother and, um, you know, how it was all of her favorite songs that she wanted to share with her son, you know, with that bond, it just had that emotional, like, grasp on each song. Like, you know, at first I thought it the tape, whenever looking into it, the tape was because, you know, he was taken away from Earth. That was one of the biggest things that he had, along with, like, you know, all the little collectibles he had with his childhood and the ship. I thought that was just another, like, little memento that he clung on to, you know, about Earth and, you know, his family and all that. But then whenever you know that definitely it has to do with his mother, it just it didn't matter what song they could have played in there. They could have played, like, bluegrass the entire time. The fact that, you know, it had that emotional connection with his mother and how special she was to him, it it made it so much better. And I think, I personally think Hooked on a Feeling worked so well in the trailers. It set up the tone of this movie that, like we said before, this is not the typical Marvel Cinematic Universe movie and that the trailers just captured it perfectly, as did the music and the movie in general. And it just... These aren't songs that I would normally, most of them, that I would normally just listen to in my free time. But now I'll think of this movie and just think about how perfect every single one of them was for what they were trying to do. So we're going to... I think it made everybody feel really, um, really happy, really good. And it, like it, it was the opposite of all the music that was in the Watchmen movie. It was too obvious. <laughs> that that just... fucking sex scene to Hallelujah... Yeah, that was just, perfect, like, though. Uh, you know, just, I loved that scene. Of course you did. So, yep. so overdone. So this was just a really good mix of giving everybody something a little bit of what they already knew, but like, oh, I like this a lot more than I thought, and everybody's celebrating it. So it was a very good match. I'm just going to say that uh, I'm about to see this movie with my parents in about an hour, <laughs> and I guarantee that because he was picked up when he was in the 80s, and my mom would have been, like, a teenager in the 80s. So she and my dad are probably going to be, like, every song that pops on, they're going to be like, oh, I love this song and stuff like that. So, like, it it, it doesn't just connect with younger audiences. I feel like the music selections are also going to connect with an older audience who even if they don't maybe love the comedy or maybe, like, this is like, oh, this didn't feel like all the other Marvel movies did, or whatever. They're still going to listen to the music, and they're still going to like the music. That's a good point, because there's something for everybody in this movie, it seems. The people that really like the comedy are going to love that. The people that like the action are going to love those action sequences. And then the people that maybe they're just there because their kids want to see the movie or something, they've got the music to hook them in, or they've got... For the women, they've got Chris Pratt. For the men, they've got Gamora. For uh, everybody, they've got Groot. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone has Groot. We are Groot. That's essentially the message of this movie. So we're going to go around one more time when it comes to thoughts on the movie before we go around one final time for something else. And then we're going to just give our final thoughts about the movie and our final um, decision of whether or not Guardians of the Galaxy itself is a hit or a miss. Dace, final thoughts, is the movie a hit or a miss? It's definitely a hit. Like I said at the beginning of this, it's not the uh, best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think Sam made a great point that it should have came before Captain America because Captain America has set the bar really high. Um, But it was good as a standalone franchise, and 
I think it's it definitely Marcus to kids. It's definitely a hit. Ronnie? Absolutely a hit. I think, personally, I think it was one of Marvel's best. I wouldn't say it was the best, but it was up there. And I just think between Winter Soldier and this coming out a few months apart, it's definitely a very good summer for Marvel movies. Gina? Perfect summer movie. So much fun. I don't think I could be friends with somebody who didn't like it. <laughs> Nikki? Uh, it was definitely a hit. Like like they said, it may have not been one of the strongest movies, but um, I, I think like with the, the type of movie that this is, you know, being a Marvel and a comedy, uh, it set its own bar. You know, hopefully, you know, different movies of, you know, of uh, the different spectrum of the cinematic universe, maybe like it can kind of set in that in that type of style as well. You know, it's it's unique. And because it's unique and because it was successful in being unique, I think because of that, it did become one of the top, one of the best ones that Marvel has done. Maybe not the strongest or the absolute best, but like I said, it in its own way, it was more successful than a lot of movies could have been. And Sam? Uh, basically, with what everyone else said, uh, I'm getting a weird echo. You're fine for me. Okay, sorry. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> um, just with what everybody else said, this movie didn't have to do anything. It was zero expectation. Nobody knew what this was. Even the 1% of people who go to see these movies who actually read comic books, 1% of the 1% knew who Guardians of the Galaxy were going into this. It's such a... I don't want to say totally just unknown property, but it's one of those things that just, it's probably in the back of your mind if it's even there. And yet they nailed it. It's now, it's making me trust that when a movie is coming out by Marvel Studios, I can trust them to give me a good movie. You can take an unknown. Okay, I'll say the only exception is Ant-Man. Like, I am not looking forward to that one. But with this one, phase one, felt like it, they all belonged in that world. Even something as technological as Iron Man and as mystical as Thor, they all felt believable in the same universe. Guardians flips them off, puts on volume one of their music, and just soars. They do not care. And this just is the biggest departure, but it's one of my favorites. So... Positive thoughts from everybody here. I got to echo some of that as well. I think that this is not my favorite Marvel movie of them all. I still think that the best one is uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And number two, very, very closely, is the first Iron Man. And it's not something that I'll be able to sit there and watch just popping up and throwing it on whenever. But at the same time, I do think that this is a hit. And I think that if you're on the fence like I was before seeing this movie, then go ahead, do yourself a favor, go see the movie, because at the very least you're going to enjoy a couple of the characters a whole lot, and it'll be worth it for sure. So before we say goodbye to you on this episode, we are going to go around the room one final time, as if you haven't had that happen enough on this episode, and we're going to give everybody a chance to fill you in on some projects that they have that you should look out for in the future. Starting with you, Dace, what's going on with the Dace Man? 
Follow me on Twitter at The Dace Man. Check out Mega Powers Radio 8 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday night for The Dace Man Show. Check out the D-list that just debuted on fanboysanonymous.com. And The Dace Man Plays will return in September. Bam! Ronnie? How the hell do you follow that up? I've got... there. I, I personally have nothing really big like that. Just keep checking Fanboys Anonymous. I'm, some articles from me will probably pop up here and there when I find something cool to write about. Sam? Um, if, I um, if I actually can get Science 101 up and at them, then... Up that and at great. them. But I guess for now, just catch me on up and at them. Just catch me on uh, fanboys.com. Uh, you'll see me on podcast review points, fan tracks, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm going to be on the next episode of the Dace Man Show, which is going to be science-related, and I would technically be the only one that's actually a scientist amongst them. Science! So we're going to taste Gibby. <laughs> yes, science. Gina, anything you want to throw out there to promote? Oh, yes. Gina at Super Sock Shop. Socks is S-O-X. I will be at the Trent Punk Rock Flea Market this Sunday, August. I don't know what day we're at. Did you say Gina super sucks? No. <laughs> super socks. Check out my website, supersockshop.com. Um, I will be at Boston Comic Con August 8th and Monster Mania, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, the weekend after that. Speaking of that, other Fanboys members might be popping up there as well. So if you are listening to this and you are in the Cherry Hill area, definitely pop up at monster mania buy some of those socks say hello to everybody else that's there as well and nikki anything that you want to throw out there to promote uh yeah um after a uh, little uh, hiatus there i will be back on the Dacement show as i have been previously and i will be on there with sam blasio uh unfortunately next wednesday watching everyone make a fucking idiot out of themselves as usual that's me <laughs> <laughs> You can go fuck yourself, Nikki. <laughs> um, but uh, other than that, um, like I said, after, you know, uh, picking up from this highest, I also will be uh, uh, moderating the Fanboys Anonymous Tumblr. It's fanboys-anonymous.tumblr.com. I do that along with Mike Payton and Sam Lassio. Uh, you can also catch me on the Fanboys Anonymous uh, uh, web page. You know, like, like Ronnie said, I will... Um, pump out an article or two whenever something I see is, you know, interesting or I know it won't be able to catch any attention. What did you just do? But yeah, um, other, other than that, I don't really have anything, so you can catch me on all of that crap. She said pumping out an article, so I went boom. <laughs> and so this is the last time they'll be together. Yeah, yeah so... we're breaking up after this podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned to Sam and Nikki's replacements on the next episode of Review Point. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Da, 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 da. <laughs> well, that is a wrap for this episode of uh, Fanboys Anonymous Review Point. On behalf of everybody on the panel for this episode, as well as everybody who could not be here tonight, thank you everybody for listening and shooting the breeze with us. We hope you had fun. And we want to know what you think were the hits and misses of Guardians of the Galaxy. So leave those comments below if you're watching this on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube. And stay tuned for everything else coming your way from fanboysanonymous.com. This has been Review Point, episode number four. I'm Tony Mango, and I am a fanboy. See you next time, everybody.